1: Leaders are the heartbeat of any organization. Let Kathy Greenberg and Relly Nadler share with you the pathway to becoming a top leader in your organization. Now, here are your hosts, Dr. Greenberg and Dr. Nadler.
2: Welcome to Leadership Development News, hosted by Dr. Kathy Greenberg and Dr. Relly Nadler. I'm Allison Childs with the Center for Creative Leadership. Kathy and Relly have helped thousands of people like you become better performers, managers, and leaders with their unique approaches to coaching. Dr. Riley Nadler is a master-level certified executive coach with the International Coaching Federation. A psychologist, corporate leadership, and team trainer, Dr. Nadler brings his expertise and in emotional intelligence to all his keynotes, consulting, coaching, and training. Dr. Nadler's leader's playbook provides hundreds of tools and strategies to develop star performers. For more information and free tools by Riley Nadler, go to www.truenorthleadership.com. New York Times bestselling author Kathy Greenberg wins hearts and minds around the world with her internationally acclaimed books on the new science of happiness, including What Happy Companies Know and What Happy Working Mothers Know. Kathy is available for a variety of consulting and coaching programs where you can learn to apply her unique happiness equals profit business formula. For more on Kathy's coaching, tools, consulting, and keynote speaking, go to www.h2cleadership.com or www.whathappyworkingmothersknow.com for free tips and downloads.
3: Welcome to Leadership Development News, Profiles and Practices of Top Performers. I'm Dr. Rowie Nadler. Dr. Kathy Greenberg, my co-host, is on the line. She'll join us in a moment. And between Kathy and I, we have helped thousands of leaders and executives to, to perform in a top 10%. We're really excited because we're talking about leadership development today with Dr. Lynn Thompson. And the focus of today is executive development best practices. Let me tell you about uh, Dr. Lynn Thompson. He currently is the course director for the Industrial College of the Armed Forces Strategic Leadership at the National Defense University. So he is in the business of training folks in the military to be better leaders. He brings extensive experience to the position, having been an educational administrator in three colleges, as well as having practical experience in leadership and organizational change. Professor Thompson, which I'm sure they call him at times,' primary research interest is in leadership development in terms of both one's personal development and growth as facilitated by executive development programs. Dr. Thompson holds a bachelor's degree in communication from the College of the Ozarks, a master's degree in sociology from Pepperdine, and a doctorate in human and organizational learning from the George Washington University. And additionally, he is a retired U.S. Air Force colonel. So you know Kathy and I want to always bring you the best in leadership topics, interviews with proven leaders, and provide evidence-based best practices to help you develop more leaders in your organization. And Kathy, welcome to the show.
4: Well, thanks, Relly. And we're always excited to have not only interesting experts and top authors, but also people who create the great leaders who help others. And obviously in today's show, that's just what we're going to do. I am always very excited to share any of the information that we have with leaders like yourselves who want to learn how to become better leaders, help your organization, and also have what we would call a better sense of influence over those you share your organization with. And we know that leaders are the heartbeat of an organization, but we also know they can sometimes underperform. And as a result, they can impact those around them. And what we want to do in each and every show is teach you how to do something just a little differently, something that's tiny and small but that makes a big impact. And in today's show, we're going to, do, to actually do just that and teach you tips and tools you can walk away from right after you listen to this program and use them, learn more about them, and implement them yourself. But today, uh, we're going to talk to... Um, Specific subject related to leadership, but on other shows, we like to talk about how to develop more leaders in your company, what happy companies know about performance, something about emotional intelligence and positive psychology strategies to be your best. We love to share anything we can help you learn about generation and gender differences, brain and neuroscience contributions to being a better leader, and of course, work life balance practices both strategies for managing yourself and tools to manage your boss. So without uh, saying much more about today's show, let me turn this back over to Raleigh to talk to you about some of the facts behind leadership.
3: Thank you, Kathy. Well, let me tell you a little bit about what some of the research, and then we'll we'll have Dr. Thompson share more about that as far as that we know in regards to leadership development. We know that leaders have 50 to 70% influence over the climate of their team. And if you have a team and you're thinking about that, that, that's huge that you have that much influence. Sometimes it's more. Kathy and I have seen leaders who probably have 90% influence over their team, you know, and how they operate and how they feel and how they're engaged and how clear they are about what needs to be done. One of the reasons is that we know emotions are contagious. And leaders, we like to say, are the emotional thermostat for their team. So they set the temperature for the team. And also, a key to being a star performer, which we define as someone in the top 10%, one of the keys is emotional intelligence, that ability to know yourself, manage yourself, know others, manage others. When you look at that, along with IQ and technical expertise, a lot of the research shows that emotional intelligence contributes to your success anywhere from 60 up to about 90 percent depending on the different studies, these key competencies, a lot of which are the topics for our shows here. And the tipping point uh, of 10 percent is can be magical because if you can get someone in the top 10 percent, they produce twice as much revenue to the organization as managers in the ninth percentile and below. Also, training is great in and of itself, most organizations have training and and studies show you get about a twenty-two percent increase in productivity. But if you can add coaching where you have one-on-one follow-up and customizing the learning to the individual, some of the research shows that you can have as high as eighty-eight percent boost in productivity. And like Kathy said, just doing one or two things differently, these micro-initiatives can make a big difference. You can increase performance by getting coaching in your organization. And some of the research is that um, you can increase performance as much as 77% while increasing life and professional satisfaction as much as 50% with this personalized coaching. If you want more information about Dr. Kathy Greenberg, her website is www.h2cleadership.com for her happiness books, tools, speaking keynotes, leadership and coaching services. If you want to know more about me, Dr. Rowan Adler, my website is www.truenorthleadership.com for emotional intelligence books, some free EI assessments, tools, speaking keynotes, leadership and coaching boot camps. So let me uh, say a few more words about uh, Dr. Lynn Thompson and we'll we'll bring him on. So he's been in the business of training leaders to actually uh, go out and be a part of our defense system with the Armed Forces Strategic Leadership uh, at the National Defense um, University. I mentioned he holds a uh, doctorate in organizational learning from the George Washington University. And additionally, he's a retired U.S. Air Force colonel. So, Lynn, welcome to the call. It's great to be here. Thank you. We're really glad you're here. And, and uh, Kathy, you wanna, maybe we'll start off with some of our questions for him. Oh,
4: yeah, you know me. I When it comes to anybody <laughs> who's in the line of work uh, that Lynn is in and also all of our our friends in the military. Um, I'm all about the questions and the answers. Uh, one of the things we love to know about all of the people who come on our show, Lynn, is who have been the most influential people and thinkers in your life and your career, and how have they shaped your thinking about your work today?
5: Um, interesting question. I, I, I think there's really kind of two groups of people. I been very fortunate throughout my Air Force career to have uh, a large number of excellent leaders that I've worked for and worked with. It, and fortunately, I've also had a few folks that were, shall we say, painful. And Rather than pointing out some names, um, the thing that I take away from them is really more the how-to-do-it stuff. Uh-huh. The day-to-day, face-to-face, almost a tactical level leadership. Uh, the second group of folks kind of took that beginning perspective and greatly expanded it, and they're the conceptual people that really showed me how complex leadership is and how it goes way beyond uh, individual influence. Uh, specifically, those individual, individuals are Marshall Sashkin, T. Owen Jacobs, and Cynthia McCauley. Um, And not only did they take my individual experiences and cast them into a much more complex framework, but they showed me the importance of linking uh, research with practice. Uh, So often our students want kind of an easy fix. Tell me the answer. Well, our approach is much more what does the research say and then what plays out in the real world.
3: Well, that's great, Lynn. I mean, we're really glad to have you, you know, being such a uh, researcher and, and expert in leadership development here on Leadership Development News. So to, to help our listeners um, position that, tell us about what actually happens at the Industrial College uh, of the Armed Services and uh, what kind of students do you work with today and, and you know,
5: what's the mission? Uh, we are a Department of Defense, senior-level joint professional military education institution that helps our students prepare for strategic leadership positions in a national security environment. A key aspect of our mission is helping students understand the links between national security and the U.S. industrial base as set in a global context. So our students are all uh, fairly senior, Uh, they are high performing, and they are a mix of U.S. government civilians, U.S. military officers. Foreign military officers, hmm. as well as some managers from national and international corporations. So, so all these folks, I'd uh, be interested to know what what the mean age is. Sounds like they they're coming in already with a lot of experience in leadership. Oh, absolutely. The average age is probably forty two.
3: Uh-huh.
5: So, uh, I mean, it, to get to our institution, they pretty much have to have already been a very successful. Successful leader at a tactical level, right? And so, why would they come? Like, what do they get? do? They get a another degree, or or what do they get out of it? Yes, they end up with a uh, a master's degree in national resource management, but that's not really the primary motive okay. motivation. They they also the military officers also end up with some joint professional military uh... certification, but the real goal is to help them prepare. Um, for working in a strategic-level environment. The challenges of the strategic level are more complex, are different, more challenging than what they've faced in the past. And so we hope to expand their understanding, expand the way that they're thinking, expand their frames of reference so that they're better able to deal with uncertainty and ambiguity.
4: Hmm. Now, this is an interesting word that you and I both have some history with. Mm-hmm. this uh complexity and ambiguity and I don't want to jump ahead but there is a whole language set like VUCA that contains two of those words that maybe you want to set the stage with to help our listeners understand the difference
5: yes one uh, a term that we use quite often is VUCA which stands for volatility uncertainty complexity and ambiguity and it's an acronym that describes the nature of the external environment, when you combine those four factors with the types of decisions that strategic leaders need to make, you begin to understand the challenges that are unique to that level of an individual. We're going, to, we're going to get more into this
3: as we go through the questions we want to hear kind of about your program, and I think um, a fair amount of our people are in a variety of different organizations. They may be in organizational development, leadership development, so just to be able once we pick your brain of kind of what the program looks like, I think will be very useful for them. So we'll be back in, in just a minute. This is Leadership Development News.
1: Always talking business, talk to an expert. Call now, toll free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network.
6: Most leaders underestimate their influence and power over others and thus underperform. Dr. Relly Nadler and Leaders Playbook help leaders point the way by providing the strategic place to get to the top in a simple paint-by-the-numbers process. Books and tools by Dr. Nadler are available at his website, www.truenorthleadership.com or 805-683-1066.
1: From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. You're listening to Leadership Development News, profiles and practices of top performers with your hosts, Dr. Kathy Greenberg and Relly Nadler. We know you have leadership questions for these noted experts, so call us toll-free at 1-866-472-5790. That number again is 1-866-472-5790. Now, let's get back to the show.
2: Welcome back to
4: Leadership Development News. You're listening to a new show about leadership, and we are interviewing Dr. Lynn Thompson, and he helps great leaders become better. One of the things that we were just talking about, Lynn, were the program that uh, that you are uh, particularly associated with uh, regarding our national defense and you were going to talk a little bit about how this program operates and what it does for the students that go through it.
5: Okay, uh, our program, um, we have about 310 students annually and they're pulled out of their regular full-time job and so this program becomes a full-time commitment for ten months Um, and as I mentioned earlier they walk away with the master's degree but the program itself uh, consists of a mix of core courses uh, multiple distinguished speakers as well as uh, individual choices in terms of electives and research so our core curriculum has multiple courses going on at the same time for example students will be taking national security strategy strategic leadership military strategy and logistics economics all at the same time and so what that does is even if the same issues are being discussed they're being discussed from very different perspectives which in turn, in turn expands our students frames of reference and perspectives. In the spring, the students also uh, do courses in government acquisition, an in-depth study of international regions, and a field study of U.S. industry in a global context.
4: Now, Lynn, as you're speaking, I can't help but think of the key skills and competencies um, that are part and parcel of this program that leaders need, and I just want to check in with you on a couple of these things. So one of the things I'm hearing is that you teach people how to make sense of external information in their environment and how it might impact on an organization. Is that fairly yeah. accurate? Okay. Yes, yeah. And then also how to lead and manage uh, some kind of a change program and then to, to build relationships and rapport with people and exercise influence in an environment that may be much different than one they're used to coming from.
5: Right, exactly. And building trust. And, I mean, there's also uh, one's personal moral development, what stage are, where are they in terms of their own ethics and how does that play out, and not only in terms of their uh, potential future, but in terms of the organizational context. Um, Wonderful. So, Lynn, uh, maybe what you can do is tell us a
3: little bit about, you had an interesting distinction between education and training, I thought would be, uh, and especially for people in the field, that would be interesting to know.
5: We like to make a distinction between education and training, even though it's totally impossible to divorce the two. So, you know, if you have a Venn diagram, they, they overlap. Uh-huh. But training to us is really focused on skill development, in preparation for known job competencies. For example, if I'm going to start a job where negotiation is important, I may go take a class in how to be a negotiator. Education, on the other hand, is preparation for dealing with the unknown. Mm. In other words, at the end of the process, we want our students to see the world differently and think differently than when they came in. So certainly there are some aspects of skill development But the bigger picture is helping them to think strategically, think creatively, improve their critical thinking, and use multiple frames of reference rather than um, just improve specific skills. See, the the big difference is if you know job competencies are excellent for the here and now. But over time, job competency requirements in an environment change. So someone has to be looking out for what's changing and what are the new job competencies that are required and what are the ones that are no longer at the top of the list. And to to do that latter piece requires education.
4: I think it's a really important distinction, Um, not only because it's a practical distinction, but because people need to understand you learn something, and that prepares you to apply it, and that's the education part. The training and skill development part is where you practice it and you hone it and you get to experience it, and, you know, in the language of the military, you do an after-action review on it so that you really know it and feel it before you go try it. Yeah. So for me, it's it's really important, and I, and I can hear and feel the distinctions. Can you rally?
3: Yeah, yeah, that's why I, I really liked it. Uh, and I think the education is is uh, deeper, and you really the people then um, can you retrieve it easier than let's say the training. And it sounds like as we get more into the VUCA, it's really is around being prepared because you don't know which skills you need to pull out. So Lynn, let me ask you a little bit about uh, one of the things. That I know you had done was a a big uh, research benchmarking study on developing leaders, and I think this is really important for us on leadership development news and we have a lot of people in leadership programs you know Tell us about the study and maybe kind of why why the study and and uh, the, what did the study entail and, and we can talk about some of the uh, key findings of it
5: in uh, the two thousand five two thousand and six time frame, we wanted to. Uh, do a benchmarking study to compare what we were doing uh, in our leadership development program with what other executive development programs uh, are, you know, how they're designed and what they're attempting to do. I mean, the goal for us was um, seeing if there were ways that we could improve. And so what we did over the period of those two years is we interviewed about 35 organizations, Um, They were a variety of organizations, uh, some other government agencies, uh, university MBA programs, university public administration programs, um, some corporate providers who provide executive development as part of their business model, and some corporations that do it in-house. And so we compared all of those uh, approaches and drew out some conclusions. Um, Let's... And I would be glad to share some of those with you. Uh, yeah, three, three outcome themes kind of emerged from as we looked at all these programs.
4: And just uh, what? Just set the stage again. What year was this? 2005-2006. Uh,
5: mm-hmm. Hang on. Let me think a minute.
3: Okay. Uh, and so these are going to be, as you're thinking, the three things that came from this benchmark study
5: with 30 to 35 organizations. Right. And really kind of what's the best we know about how to develop leaders. Right. Well, th- the the there were three there's a couple things one is uh, in term in terms of the themes that we identified which are just broad themes uh-huh. another was uh, ideal components of what we thought the ideal program would be uh-huh. and another aspect was uh individual assessment and i'm going to back up a sec I, it's the 2006 2007 time frame sorry okay,
4: okay good
5: okay so um In terms of desired program outcomes, the three themes that emerged was every program wanted their students to gain insight into personal strengths and weaknesses. They had some development of core leadership competencies for whatever they thought was important in their environment. And the other piece of it was they wanted to ensure core functional competencies, kind of like business acumen because there's different business competencies for public administration than there are uh, from uh, MBAs. Um, In terms of components of the ideal program, we thought it should have a strategic environment focus. In other words, building and maintaining competitive advantage both domestically and globally. How do you translate the strategic environment to something practical and implementable in terms of your business model or organization. Uh, An approach to strengthening leadership, strategic leadership competencies, leading change, uh, dealing with organizational culture, shaping it, emotional intelligence and coaching skills, fostering collaboration and teamwork, negotiation, Action learning projects based on real challenges, communication and building trust, business acumen, and translating strategy into action. And then the final piece is ethics. Um,
3: so, those components are, would really be other areas, talking about kind of the key curriculum topics that people would cover. Yes, yeah, okay.
5: exactly. And then the other piece of this was every program that we uh, investigated had some sort of assessment instrument. Mm -hmm. I mean, whether the program was one week or one year, everybody did something in assessment. But what they did with that uh, varied greatly. In some cases, uh, the students would take an assessment, they'd turn it in, and they'd get back written feedback, and that was it. To us, the ideal situation was uh, one-on-one feedback and uh, elements of the assessment program integrated into the curriculum so students could go further into depth into what they were learning about in terms of their own self-assessment.
4: Okay. This is Yeah, this is very helpful because you said a couple of things that most executive development programs do not include. Now, you said that... There were components related to leadership skill, and Uh there were components related to strategic competitive advantages and things related to doing the practical application of those things. But what you said that was distinctively different from any other research I've heard, and Relly, please chime in, is shaping the coaching skills Mm. of leaders. And I think that is so important because if leaders don't learn how to coach – Right. They're not going to get the best performance out of their people.
5: I agree completely, and that—that's what our uh, leadership. I mean, that's what our investigation
3: would support. Well, that's great because that seems to be the mechanism, you know, for a lot of these th- things you're talking about is—is is looking at the strategic strengths and if it's negotiation and you know, as a mechanism, is one-on-one relationship and you know, and some of the. The, you know, the aspects about leadership. It's, it's really the relationships So really enhancing those relationships uh, skills.
4: Well, I think this is just terrific, and it sounds like we're all going into um, a, a wonderful conversation about uh, more and, and a literal understanding of how coaching needs to be used in an environment we call VUCA. So let's take a break. We'll come right back and talk to Lynn Thompson some more about VUCA,
1: So stay tuned. You're listening to Leadership Development News. Stocks, bonds, investment opportunities, financial news, and talk. We can help. Call us now toll-free, 866-472-5790. 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network.
0: And internationally acclaimed What Happy Companies Know is the leading global expert on coaching combined with the new science of happiness and originator of the happiness equals profits business formula. For free tips and downloads, visit Kathy's award-winning book site, WhatHappyWorkingMothersKnow.com. Or for distinctive learning, practical solutions, and proven results for your business, visit Kathy Greenberg at H2CLeadership.com. That's H2CLeadership.com.
1: The business community's first choice in Internet talk radio. Voice America Business Network.
3: College of the Armed Forces, and it's a leadership course that he d- does and is a part of at the National Defense University. Uh, and, Lynn, we're talking about some of the buzzwords in a lot of organizations, strategic and tactical. You've been using them. But just for our audience, uh, if you want to make, give a quick distinction, and then we're going to get into the, the VUCA environment and what people can do in that environment. So what, how would you, do, you know, see the difference?
5: That, that is um, something that we struggle with trying to come up with a succinct, uh, clear definition. Because in many respects, um, maybe you've heard the term strategic corporal, uh, indicating uh, enlisted-level folks who have to make decisions that have important consequences. What, What we tend to do is focus on what are some of the characteristics of the strategic level, or of strategic decisions. VUCA is definitely one of them. And at the senior level, uh, that's people who have to translate the VUCA into something that's actionable. In other words, uh, for example, our students are all excellence when they come, excellent when they come to us at answering questions. If their boss has given them a question, they can come up with the answer. The bigger challenge for them in the future will be figuring out what the right questions are to ask. Uh, okay. So at the strategic level, it's about translating um, the situation that might be complex, ambiguous, uncertain, into uh, a way of think- a mental map, a mental model. It's about making decisions that have a long-term consequence. For example, at lower levels in an organization, frequently people are focused on practical hands-on uh activities that have that that need to be done today or tomorrow. Well, at a very senior level in the organization, they're making decisions that maybe literally they they're betting their company on this decision. Or in government, some procurement decisions have know 20 30 40 year lifespan so the decisions that are made today have a very long-term consequence and trying to guess at the future becomes part of developing one's mental model
3: okay that's good i mean that's a good distinction um so tell us let's Describe what VUCA is, and then what I'm really interested in, Kathy, you've worked with this, so you may have a little bit more knowledge, but so uh, volatility, uncertainty, complexity, ambiguity. Uh, how is it in the armed services, you know, how does that show up? And then, But really, how do you train something, train someone for the unknown,
5: the uncertain, the ambiguity, something can happen at any moment? Well, uh, I'll fall back on the term educate because um, I'm I'm not... I don't know that it's a skill. Uh-huh. It's, okay. We see it more as uh, a couple of things. One is increasing students' com- comfort level with dealing with ambiguity. As it turns out, tolerance of ambiguity is a powerful predictor of executive potential. Oh, that's great. Uh, most people...
4: Can you t- just say that again so our listeners here? That that's, that's powerful.
5: That's what I was going to say, take <laughs> go ahead. Tolerance of ambiguity is a powerful predictor of executive potential. In other words, frequently people make a decision because they can't tolerate the ambiguity. Yeah. And they'll make a decision and go forward. So we try to create a, a transformational education experience that results in a couple things. Our students in increasing their comfort level in dealing with ambiguity, and also increases their level of cognitive complexity. Because to deal with VUCA, you really need to have a much more complex mental models than what you've had in the past. You need to think in terms of framing, reframing, uh, as well as understanding your own preference for interpreting data, uh, you need to be able to think of multiple courses at the same time. And so we create uh, exercises. We create, um, we take away some of the structure. Not a lot, because we don't want them to feel so uncomfortable that, you know, they opt out, but it it's kind of increasing the discomfort a little bit, so it encourages them to grow, to deal with the discomfort. And then also having as I mentioned a little bit earlier in the program, with, we have multiple core courses going on at the same time. They begin to look at uh, topics and challenges from multiple situations rather than just from one situation or from one perspective. Right.
4: Now, Lynn, one of the things that you said early on I want to go back and tag on was assessment instruments, okay, that, yeah. that everybody in your study – of the 35 organizations that participated, clearly indicated that an assessment instrument was helpful. So when you're assessing for this tolerance of ambiguity, what kind of an assessment do you use? And on a scale of 1 to 10, what kind of tolerance of ambiguity are we talking about?
5: We use, uh, let's see if I can kind of get at your get at the answer uh from the side.
4: Um I love we, it. We're we're going to we're going to be we're going to use we're going to use the whole process of my tolerance for ambiguity to get to the answer. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Okay.
5: Well, me give a simple answer and forget.
4: Never. It. Never. Um, and me and me understand something simple never.
5: <laughs> um <laughs> We we use uh, uh, six different uh, assessment assessment instruments. Beautiful. It, and as part of the feedback, we have developed a, uh, Actually, Owen Jacobs has developed an expert system that integrates those uh, findings so that instead of getting six individual snapshots, um, you get those. But in addition to that, you get a functional integration. So, for example, they're like... Uh, Ten different variables across the instruments that deal with innovation there are ten dif- there's uh, four different uh, variables that deal with temperament and so when you have this functional integration, it gives you a broad picture of the, the individual 's preferred way of interpreting and acting in the world, and so that then creates an opportunity for a conversation with a student about uh, how does this match with the type of environment you're going to find in the future. In other words, uh, one of the key sets of variables compares uh, preference for uh, always sticking with the plan even if the plan's no longer valid versus uh, never ever having a plan. Well, it, it takes the whole picture, not just one single variable, to be able to start a conversation about where are you now and what's needed in the future.
4: Oh, I love does, it. Does that help? I love it. Oh, that's perfect because what, what, I'm sorry, I just want to say this one thing. What, what we all forget when we're in this business looking at assessment tools is that what we're looking for and the assessment tool we choose is so important because often, what we're assessing for using a specific tool doesn't necessarily get us what we're looking for.
5: Yes, yeah. Right. And see, that was one of the things that came out of the benchmarking study that we did. The vast majority of programs that we looked at chose one assessment instrument. And we just don't think that that is uh, mm-hmm. adequate, that you really, because each one is just like taking a picture from a specific angle right and and it's a two-dimensional picture in order to turn that into three-dimensional you have to have different perspectives from different angles and
3: uh, and while we're on this lend are you okay just naming what some of these instruments are the assessments and, Sure, you um, will
5: sure. maybe be uh, with them we use uh, personality profiler which is uh based on union typology mm-hmm. uh modified career path uh, appreciation which is based on stratified systems theory. Hold on,
4: modified? What is it? Modified? uh,
5: Modified career path appreciation, MCPA. Um, It really is a measure of two things, cognitive complexity and uh, comfort level in dealing with ambiguity.
3: Oh, so get that, that, huh? Um,
5: uh, We have three assessment instruments from the leadership Practices inventory. The three we use are team roles, basic dimensions, and leadership indicators. Huh. Now, those all of those were self-assessment instruments. Right. We also use the Strategic Leader Development Inventory, which is a 360-degree instrument.
4: Huh. That's the one where you have to pick three people.
5: Uh, well, you end up with. Ideally, you would have uh, three superiors, right? Uh, four peers. And four subordinates.
4: And that's the one I've done with the U.S. Army War College. And yes, That'll, that'll yes. put you in your place right away.
5: <laughs> uh, say that one more time.
4: <laughs> that'll put you in your place right away. But <laughs> but you know what it also taught me, and for those of you who are listening, you're going to really laugh when I tell you this. We always think we're competing with people um, that are kind of at our peer level, and we are. But what's interesting is, What I found out in this particular survey tool really comes to light is whether they think they're competing with you. And for me, that's a brilliant distinction because you always know when you think somebody is better than you, but the way they give you feedback, you can always tell whether they think you're as good as them or not, so it's pretty cool. Riley, I think we may need to go to a break.
3: (laughs) All right, Lynn, we're going to go to a break, and we'll be we'll be right back. This is Leadership Development News.
0: Kathy's company, H2C, Happy Companies, Healthy People, provides practical knowledge for individuals and entire companies to maximize their potential in as little as one day. Kathy is available for one-to-one executive coaching, group programs, and as an electrifying conference speaker. Catch Kathy Greenberg at leading conferences and as a spokesperson for Cancer Treatment Centers of America. For free tips and downloads, visit Kathy's award-winning book site, WhatHappyWorkingMothersKnow.com. Or for distinctive learning, practical solutions, and proven results for your business, visit Kathy Greenberg at H2Cleadership.com. That's H2Cleadership.com.
1: The business community's first choice in Internet talk radio, Voice America Business Network.
4: And we've been talking to uh, a very exciting guest today, and that is Lynn Thompson. We're talking about creating volatile, uncertain, complex, ambiguous environments that leaders can break through. And just before we went to the break, um, Lynn, we were talking about the tools that you use to help us find these leaders and to learn about them so that we can put them in the right learning environment. I'd love you to talk about how you train someone in a VUcan environment. What does that look like?
5: Um, let me give you a few examples of how we uh, set up ambiguity um, and maybe create some discomfort towards uh, uh, desired educational outcomes. Okay. Uh, one of the exercises that we do is called uh, Operation Gap. We We divide uh, the seminar. seminar is typically 16 students, uh, they're diverse students. In other words, usually of the 16 there will be three Army, three Air Force, uh, three from the sea service, uh, several uh, civilians, um, an international officer, and maybe uh, someone from corp- a corporation. So one of the challenges is we'll, we'll divide them into four smaller groups and give them a scenario where they have to create a new department uh... new federal department department of global development and they will have to negotiate uh... with one another to try to figure out where will the resources come from what will the name be how will the department achieve the objectives as laid out by the exercise president so since there's no right answer, um, there's no school solution, what that does is it challenges them to think of what would I have to deal with in this situation? What are the right questions that I need to ask? How do I influence people on a one-to-one basis? Uh, Another uh, bigger exercise is, uh, and we'll do this across the entire school, is we will do uh, uh, U.S. government response to, uh, it's an exercise, so it's not real, uh, to a pandemic outbreak. And the game will be played over the period of a week with several moves. Uh, So students have to deal with the known at each of the moves, make decisions based on what is known at the time, and then uh, see what the outcomes of those decisions are and adjust based upon changing uh, intelligence as the scenario moves forward another exercise that's critical to the school is um, in the spring we'll take two weeks out of the the curriculum to do what we call the national security strategy exercise each group, each seminar, each group of sixteen students is given the task of developing what they believe our nation's national security strategy should be for the next ten years and that's the task they have to figure out what are the right questions to ask how do we go about doing this uh... what are we going to consider what are we not going to consider and at the end of that two week period they present a briefing to uh... three uh... distinguished visitors Each three distinguished visitors go to each of the different uh, 20 seminars, uh, and then the, the DVs will query the students, and the students have to defend, you know, why they decided to do this, strate- this strategic approach that they opted on. And uh, this is anecdotal, but there have been a couple times where I've had a, 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 a DV ask the students, well, this is all well and good, but couldn't you have done this uh, last August before you got here? and in both cases the students kind of looked at each other and said yes we could have but it would have been totally different in the time we have been here uh, we have completely changed the way we think and the way we see the world so what we have presented today is much more complex than what we would have presented you 6 or 7 months ago
3: now do each of these uh leaders i, I got a good picture that was great as far as what it's like are they getting uh, debriefed individually about their role? Do they write papers about their role or about the, the group, ways that they tried to influence it? What worked? What
5: didn't work? Anything like that? In terms of, uh, it depends on the exercise. Uh-huh. It, for exercises that that we do as part of uh, the strategic leadership course, the answer is yes. We provide feedback. Um, in terms of the national security strategy exercise we do kind of a day-to-day feedback. So not only at the beginning of each morning, not only do we review what the content has been, but what habits of the group process has been over the previous day. Uh So that allows uh, students to be thinking both about group process, creative and critical thinking, managing conflict, uh, as well as whatever content they're working on. Uh
4: And those are the ones that I've had the experience with that uh-huh. Lynn just described in these two-week larger exercises. Oh, really? Okay.
3: Well, so a lot of it is putting them in that situation and then having to self-organize uh, to deal with, with that. And I think uh, Kathy asked an interesting question a little earlier just about what what level of dealing with ambiguity are you looking at? I mean, does everybody have to be at an excellent level? Or given the given the situations that someone just average and deal with ambiguity
5: okay or or you striving for more yeah, ambiguity is not a kind of separately graded item mm-hmm. um, it, it's it's a desired outcome um, and so that you know that brings up an interesting question about assessments and right now uh, our we have two assessment instruments I mean. We assess students based upon uh, how well they they write and how much they contribute to seminar learning. In turn, students do you know end of course surveys tell us what they like, what they didn't like about the course, and then there's anecdotal evidence uh, from graduates about uh, what was useful. Um, okay. I
3: think we got enough time to hit that one question just to integrate with with the leadership assessments. Once someone gets all those assessments, how do you integrate
5: that into their own development? Um, One way is the coursework is linked to concepts in the assessment instrument. Uh Uh, So, for example, uh, in the assessment instrument, it talks about interpersonal skills. Well, we have a portion of our course that deals with uh, social and interpersonal influence. Um, A key way is we provide one-on-one, individualized feedback by a certified counselor. (laughs) So when we get this report that's, when the counselor gets a report that's maybe 40, 50 pages long, we'll give it to the student, and about two days later we'll sit down with them and go through the report. It's usually a two- to three-hour one on one discussion about, uh, what's re- me, about what's in the excuse me about what 's in the report uh, versus what are their goals in fact, a key element for us is at the very beginning of the year, we ask each of our students to write a goals and values paper that looks ahead over the next ten years. in other words, we ask them what 's important to you, and no matter what job you end up in, what is it that you want to what are the values that you feel are necessary for you to be represented in that job and what goals do you have and then we take that goals and values paper when we do the one-on-one feedback and use it as a filter uh, to help guide the discussion about what's the implication of the feedback on where the student wants to go because if a student has a an assessment feedback that says they're already thinking at the strategic level and wants to do that as part of their goals, that's one thing. But if someone gets feedback that that says basically they're not tolerant of ambiguity at all and they're most comfortable dealing with day-to-day practical tasks, but their goal is to operate at the strategic level, then that becomes a very different conversation.
4: Yep, that becomes a very tough conversation.
5: Just one quick question, uh, Linda, said before we end. So then, did they have ongoing coaching, or is that a one-shot deal? Well, it, they can have ongoing coaching. We have integrated Lombardo and Eckinger's Leadership Architect software into our expert system. Uh, okay. So, the, the next step after the one-on-one coaching is to build a, a plan. Yeah. then if they want to, we'll sit talk to them about the plan, and, and we can come up with different courses that they may want to take in terms of electives to uh, help them develop.
4: Oh, and this has been fabulous. And can I give out the website there at um, ndu.edu? Sure.
5: Uh, d- www.ndu.edu slash ICAF, I-C-A-F
4: beautiful and they can uh, learn more there and yeah. perhaps uh, see some of the tools uh, from a, a you know very high level perspective and some of the research that you've done and you've been so generous with your time and we love learning about strategic leadership courses you've been terrific
5: I have enjoyed it thank you Thank you Lynn this
3: has been great well we'll sign off for now this has been leadership development news hope you got a, a few tips to improve your performance uh, in this next week thank you.